Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. Hey, Kieran. Thought I'd do something a little bit special today. Mm. I usually come out. It with is a special episode. It is a special episode, so this means it's a special spoiler. Now, usually I give a spoiler at this portion of the show, but I thought I'd give a little Maddie D origin story. Okay. So picture this. It's my brother standing on top of my shoulders with a noose around his neck. Young Maddie D crying, tears falling down his cheek as Kieran, yourself, walks towards me. Dressed in black. Which is bad in the desert. Yep. <laughs> Put some headphones on my head and a microphone near my mouth. <laughs> into and, your mouth. And says, ram it into your mouth. <laughs> near my mouth, I said. And says, keep your loving brother happy. By podcasting for him. <laughs> By podcasting for him. And that's how I became... That's so obscure. No one's going to get that That's reference. how I became the podcast man. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because that is a spoiler. That's right. So typically what we do on this show, if this is your first time listening, I'm sorry for throwing you off <laughs> right at the start. But yeah, this is a great episode to join us on because while we usually attempt to predict the plot of upcoming blockbuster movies, this week we're taking a break and we're coming up with a plot for our own movie. Because since we can't physically go to the cinemas anymore, <laughs> no. we might as well create some new movies. Movies in our minds. Yes. Put our money where our mouth is, as it were. So through the role of a die at the end of last week's episode, we came up with the concept of doing a prequel to Sergio Leone's spaghetti western classic, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's right. Now, since this is one of the most influential and famous movies of all time... And one that we love as well. Yeah, one that we personally love and have, I suppose, a strong history with. Mm. We'll get into that in a sec, but I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has at least heard of the movie, but if you haven't, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly came out in 1966. It was the third in Installment in the Man with No Name trilogy, aka the Dollars trilogy, which established the spaghetti western genre in the 60s. And of course, Sergio Leone got inspiration, to use finger quotes, <laughs> since he just ripped it off directly from Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo, yeah. the samurai movie. Yeah, and you can kind of see it very clearly when you put those so, yeah. two together. A Fistful of Dollars is basically an unofficial remake of Yojimbo, but just done in a western setting. Yeah. So Leone basically took the style that Kurosawa established in Yojimbo and then appropriated that for the Western setting. And I don't know. I mean, sure, there still are samurai style movies and a lot of movies done in that over-the-top drawn-out style, I suppose. But I would probably guess that the spaghetti Western genre is more influential and had a bigger run. I mean, I'm not Japanese, so I don't personally <laughs> know. But Well, I mean, like we can see it, especially with Tarantino's movies come out. Yeah, of course. You know, come, the, it's, the style has influenced a lot of filmmaking. Absolutely. And I mean... Basically Basically launched Clint Eastwood's career. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to talk about him a fair bit this episode, or maybe not. I don't know if he's going to appear in your movie or not, but yeah. So The Good, The Bad and The Ugly is technically a prequel itself. So we're coming up with a prequel to a prequel because it's set before the previous two movies in the trilogy. Yeah, but it does make a lot of sense because... The movies aren't really connected. I mean, you could say that Clint Eastwood plays the same man with no name character, even though he does have a name in most of the movies. He plays more of an archetype than the same character because the character who plays Angel Eyes in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, he's in a few dollars more, but he's a completely different different character. character, He's the general. Sorry, the colonel. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so how do you you know connect those two things? Yeah, there's a lot of actors who cross over in all three movies. So mm. there's that big guy who plays Wallace in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yeah. Who is in, I think, the other two movies is either a heavy or a heavy. <laughs> yeah. That's basically that's, that's his thing. It's his typecast in every movie. Yep. Um, so they're not really connected plot-wise at all. And you could argue it's the same character, but mm, it doesn't really work that they are. Well, back then, Spaghetti Westerns weren't kind of considered these narratively strong. No. They were just like, throw them out there. A lot of action, a lot of fun, a lot of shooting. No one really thought much else about them. They were very much genre movies, very much popcorn movies of the day. Very much. They weren't really considered high art at the time. They were the Avengers of their day. Yeah, I guess so. Because everyone was making them and they were making huge bank. Mm. Uh, I guess just westerns in general were huge at the time. Well, actually, westerns died out in the 50s. Like American westerns died out in the 50s. And it wasn't until Leone introduced the spaghetti western that it had a full resurgence again. So I've, I've got to say, I'm very much looking forward to spaghetti superhero movies. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they might be. That'd be great. Wait, we've already had a run of cheap Italian superhero movies <laughs> back in the 70s. So maybe it'll maybe, happen again. Maybe it'll happen again. Maybe this is a style that we'll create in a future episode. And then we'll yes. just have, yes. we'll be the first yes. to discover the next big thing. That'd be great. So what is your history with the good, the bad, and the ugly specifically? So I share my history, Kieran, with you because you were the person that I first watched this movie with. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think we watched all the movies one day. We... Yeah, I, a mini marathon. Back when we didn't have a lot going on, but no. we, like, I came to your house. We we're watching a lot of old movies. We sat down, and a few wines were had, and a I few drinks got were the had. trilogy box set on DVD mm. that day, and I was like, "Let's christen it. Let's watch all three. Yep. And I watched that movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Fell absolutely in love with it. I can't remember. I think we had to break it up into two days. Yeah, it was that's too right. long. But I was like, I was so excited to watch the second part of it. I was like, "What's going to happen to these characters? What's going to happen to Tuco? What you know? I was like, I loved it. And we ended up doing a radio show where we referred to ourselves as yes, the good, the right. bad, and the and the Kieran. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> read, says. Read that into what you will, but loved the movie. We spoke about it in our show, Best Movie Quest. We had yeah, a right. lot, which is still available on iTunes, by I the way. I believe so. Where we claimed it was the best movie ever made. Which we had a lot of. Now, we've grown a lot from that point, but... Oh, really? You don't agree with that I assessment anymore? So. Well, I don't think I agreed with it then, but I really think highly of this movie. I really enjoy it. It's great. Now, obviously... It's the best Western. Just like the hotel. Now, obviously, you and I share, as you said, a lot of history with this movie, but this was a movie that was on TV all the time when I was growing up. Mm. It was on the movie channel constantly on rotation and I'd always catch scenes of it. Typically the final showdown is always what I'd catch and I never really got the appeal as a kid. So I was like, what's the deal with this? It's just too long, it's too drawn out. And it wasn't until I rewatched it as an adult from start to finish that I really got the appeal. I think I was at someone else's house who had it on DVD. I was house sitting or something like that and they had it on their shelf and I was like, oh, might as well check it out. I've got plenty of time. And then, yeah, really fell in love with it from that initial viewing, immediately ran out and bought it on DVD, and then the rest is history, Which of is course. a sign that you like a movie when you go yeah. out and you run out and buy the DVD. Absolutely. I'm the same these days. If oh, I yeah. really like a movie, if I watch it more than three times, basically, if it's like cinema, home viewing, and then I want to watch it again, I'm buying it on DVD. Yeah. I know a lot of people are seeing physical media as obsolete these days, but you know, <laughs> when the internet goes down, how are you going to stream Exactly. That's going to happen soon. Unless you have <laughs> a massive... <laughs> Unless you have a massive hard drive of illegal <laughs> content, but you know, we yeah. shouldn't encourage that. We had so much fun watching those movies together. That's what I really get nostalgic about was oh, how really, yeah. it was how like fun it was just watching this really fun movie and all the tricks in the and the double crossing well, that was movies. happening. Exactly, yeah. And they age well. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, there's some stuff which I suppose is a little strange to modern audiences, yeah. such as the strange ADRing, since most of the actors well, all of the actors just did their native language. Yeah. So the English actors would speak English. 
English, and then the Italian actors would speak Italian, and then they'd just dub over them yeah, in English. It's, or it's they, a little job. They'd dub over the English actors in Italian for the Italian version. Yeah, it's a little jarring. But once you get over that, I mean, I like to stare at people's lips when they talk in movies for some reason. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, I, I suppose it's just a natural part of listening and absorbing what people are saying is to follow what they're saying with their lips. Yeah. I just do it in general conversation. Some people look at people's eyes. I guess I look at people's mouths. So when the, the look words... look at people's hearts. Yeah. When the words don't match what the what the sound is saying, it throws me off a little. But yeah, once you get past that, I really, really enjoy it. Manny D's doing it right now. <laughs> so before we start talking about our good, the bad and the ugly plots, let's talk about prequels briefly. All right. Are there any prequels out there that you think are any good? Yeah. Um, I know you're a big fan of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. But, uh, yeah, that's all right. There are prequels that are good, but I can't... You can't think I'm, of I'm any off the top of, of your any, head. Yeah, what, do you have any? Now, weirdly enough, when I first sat down and started thinking about prequels, the first one that came to mind was Solo, A Star Wars Story. Oh, that's terrible. But I was like, that's like the best example of what not to do in yeah. a prequel, like how not to write a prequel story. Mm. But then I realized, well, of course, there's Rogue One, which, of course, which your, good. your opinion may vary on that. But I think you and I both really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I thought it was an example of a decent prequel. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, there's Godfather 2, Red Dragon, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and X-Men First Class was another bunch yeah, of examples that's... that I thought of that, uh, again, opinion may vary, but I think they're great prequels. I mean, Batman Begins, would you class that? I mean, that's a reboot, no. though. No, that's a reboot. Mm. Yeah, prequels can be done well, but I'm failing to think of any examples. Well, maybe your good, the bad, and the ugly prequel will be the example. Yes. Will be one of the great ones. So let's get into it right now, because I know if you're anything like me, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yes. I had a lot of fun writing this personally because... I had a blast writing this. This was so much fun. I actually found it really easy to write because I've had so many theories and ideas over the years that they just sort of came pouring out. So I... Like, this movie means a lot to me because I really love it. And I almost didn't want to touch it. I was like, I don't feel like I... Even in this sort of situation where who cares what I think is going to happen in a prequel. I was like, I don't want to even like think about it because it's so perfect as as what it is. And then I had a beer and then I was like, fuck, fuck it. it. <laughs> and then just went and I had so much fun writing it. So yeah. I'm glad that you did as well. Uh, I'm going to ask who your director is. Well, I was originally going to get Clint Eastwood to be my director. Okay. Would you believe? Because I was like, oh, he's a decent director. I'm yeah. sure he would get a lot out of it because he was there on the set. He saw Sergio Leone's style in three movies. So yeah. why wouldn't he be able to emulate it? But then I was like, who would be the first person in Hollywood to put up their hand? Tarantino. Exactly. So that's the man that I've got. I'm sure he would do it in his own sort of spaghetti western style, his appropriated style, but he'd be for it, I'm sure. Like, well, he's if a someone massive... presented it to him, he would be down. He was. Uh, this is one of his favourite movies, so yeah. at least that's what he says. So I think he would treat it with a lot of respect. Yeah. So he wouldn't do a solo style prequel with no. it, you reckon? And I actually picked out the person who I wanted to do the soundtrack, by the way. Oh, really? And it is, of course, Ennio Morricone who did the soundtrack no for surprises, the original movie because no he's still alive. Yes, yes. Might no. as well get him while he's we still might, there. We might have the same guy because oh, really? I think the soundtrack to this movie. Wouldn't it be great if we just had the same plot and the same actors? Well, and so so far, some of our details. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. But yeah, I mean, the the soundtrack to this movie is so important. It's a huge part. Part of these movies, so this movie in particular, so you couldn't have anybody else. You can't Blade Runner it. No, imagine exactly. that. Imagine that. Oh yeah, I was gonna get Hans Zimmer in to do my soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now the one thing that I struggled with in my plot was casting. 
I had a real. Oh my difficult- god! I had no trouble there. Really? Yeah, I had too, I had too much ideas for casting. Oh, really? I had too no many ideas. ideas I'm like, for casting. I was like, who looks like these actors at all? Yeah, because I'm like, they've got to remotely look like them, I suppose, a little bit. Yeah. Just to uh, you know, get the impression across that it is a prequel. I have somebody who. Oh, I shouldn't jump in while you're talking, but I have someone who looks a lot like Clint Eastwood, but is a little oh, really? bit too old these days. But who? I want to hear what you're casting. I'm sure is. we've got the same person. Yeah. But anyway, so I just want to say my setting is 1851 mm-hmm. in Arizona, which yep. I looked it up. It was a real state at this point. Excellent. Uh, and so this means that it's set 11 years before the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. And I suppose around 10 years before the American Civil War. Yep. I can't remember exactly when that started, but yeah. <laughs> who cares? It hasn't happened yet. Who cares? There's this, no this war going on. Historical. I mean, there were invasions from Mexico at this point. There was a lot of war across the Mexican border over land disputes. Basically, it was Mexico saying, we own this part, or America saying, no, now we own this part. Yeah. But this movie isn't really going to get involved with that. Or maybe maybe the overall conflict will mirror that. But if anyone asks me, I'll just say that's what it is. But that wasn't my intention. All right. Let's get straight into the plot. Go for it. We open with an old man sitting in an isolated jail. So if you can imagine... It's a huge desert landscape with just a single building in the middle of the... You've thought this through so much. Okay, yeah, I'm loving it. Yep, go. The dry, arid landscape, and it's a jail cell surrounded by sheriffs. And we have this old man, the standard spaghetti western old man with the long white beard and the... We see his like eyes and the dirt and the cracks yeah. in his skin. Well, he is sitting in the jail cell talking to a fellow prisoner who's sleeping with a sombrero on his face. Ooh. And so he's just ranting and ranting and this guy appears to be asleep that he's talking to. And this old man's really talking about nothing in particular. He's saying, oh, you know, when I get out of here, I'm going to start my own farm and all this sort of nonsense. But his rant is interrupted by a short series of gunshots from outside. And the old man leans towards the cell wall to listen. So if you can imagine, he's just like, oh, the gunshots have stopped. He presses his ear up against the cell wall, and then suddenly the wall that he leans up against blows up. Ah, that's awesome. Splattering the old man everywhere. Good. And Tarantino would love to do that. So several Mexican outlaws enter through the hole that's been recently created in the wall, and the prisoner lying on the bed lifts up his sombrero. Now, you may notice that there's a few overt references to some of the other movies in the the Dollars trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. And the prisoner lifts up his sombrero to reveal El Sangre. Now, I know you were thinking it was going to be someone else. but I thought it was going to be Tuco. This character is played by Benicio Del Toro. Okay. Now, El Sangre thanks all the members of his gang, but then he spots a member that he doesn't recognize. And he asks, who's El Fio? And the new member is Tuco Ramirez. A younger Tuco Ramirez. And now, who's playing Tuco in this movie? He's being played by Oscar Isaac. Okay. Of Star Wars slash Adams family fame when he was Gomez Adams in the, the animated movie. That doesn't help us imagine what he looks like. So, you know... Very Hispanic, good-looking yeah. guy. He actually played a Mexican sort of outlaw character. Well, he wasn't an outlaw. Well, he played a Mexican in a period piece called For Greater Glory. Yeah. So, basically, he's going to look sort of like his character in that movie. But believe it or not... He weirdly looks a lot like a younger Eli Wallach if you put the right really mu- if you put the right mustache and whatnot on him. <laughs> I don't see I'll it. I'll show but... you a picture later all on. Right, all right, and you'll all right, be surprised. Right. I'm like, sure movie magic can help. I out. stared at both of their faces for a really long time. And I'm like, I can sort of see it. I think it will work. Okay. I mean, who else looks like Eli Wallach? Though? No one. You're going to question some of my other casting choices. I can guarantee you that later on. Look, let's just say we won't question each other's casting choices. <laughs> yeah, it's just a broad rule right now. So then we jump to a sleepy Old West shanty town. Mm. You can see it. It's been in a million movies. Yep. Where a mysterious man mm, rides up to the sheriff's office with a dead body slung over the back of his horse. Is he wearing a poncho? No, he's not. He's wearing dark clothes. The man dumps the body at the feet of the local sheriff, who's played by John Goodman, because apparently- <laughs> He has to be in all your plots. He has to be in all my plots. 
and hands him a bounty bill. The sheriff looks the man up and down, and we see that this is a younger Angel Eyes. And who's playing Angel Eyes? Go with me here. And he's being played by Alden Ehrenreich, who, of course, played Solo in Solo, a Star Wars movie. So you're just bringing everyone from Star Wars like yeah. movies into this one? <laughs> Apparently so. Except for John Goodman. John Goodman wasn't in Star Wars. Well, no, unfortunately not. But Benicio Del Toro was, weirdly <laughs> They enough. haven't done a Jab of the Hutt prequel yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. But yeah, I know you're thinking Alden Ehrenreich doesn't look anything like Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. But then again, Alden Ehrenreich didn't look anything like Harrison Ford. So yeah, maybe so he cares? can pull it off. Yeah. Just give him a mustache. He's the character. <laughs> exactly. But that's a, that's a really hard casting because like no one really looks like Angel Eyes. Yeah, that was really. my real issue here. I'm like, I, I looked Who at pictures at Angel of Angel young Eyes? Lee Van Cleef and I was like, no one looks like him. No. He just looks like Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. So, yeah, the closest person I got to the nose was Alden Ehrenreich. Anyway, moving on. So as the sheriff hands over the reward money for the bounty, Angel Eyes glances over at the marshal, who is nailing up a wanted poster for the recently escaped El Sangre and his gang. Ooh. Angel Eyes saunters over to the poster and snatches it off the notice board before the marshal has even finished hammering in the final nail. And the sheriff grins and says, You're not the first bounty killer interested in... I don't know why it sounds like... That's how he talks. Harrison Ford. Uh, What does... John Goodman sound like? (laughs) (laughs) Why does you're not you're not the first bounty killer interested in El Sangre today? And Angel Eyes furrows his brow and says, "Who's the first? And the sheriff jerks his head towards a horse hitched at the local saloon. A white horse? Uh, a palomino horse, let's just say that. I don't know what that means, but yes. It's like a blonde-coloured horse. Angel Eyes enters the saloon and finds the other bounty killer, who's in the middle of a poker game. Angel Eyes pulls up a chair and asks the other bounty killer to deal him in. Deal me in. The other killer looks up, and we see that it's Blondie, <gasps> played by... The son of Clint Eastwood himself, Scott Eastwood. Wow, okay. Because who else looks like Clint Eastwood? Yeah, good point. Nobody. And he asks, what are you betting? Angel Eyes slaps the wanted poster down on the table, and all the other players immediately fold. The two bounty killers lay down their cards, but they both have the exact same five-card hand. They cheated. No, they didn't cheat. It was just (laughs) luck of the game. So, of course, what happens when you have the exact same five-card hand? You shoot each other. Blondie grimaces and says, looks like it's a 50-50 split. The next morning, we return to El Sangre and his gang as they lounge around their campfire. Since Tuco is the newest member of the gang and the general butt monkey, he is tasked with travelling to the nearest well, which is miles away, to get water for the morning coffees. Tuco complains that he'll be able to carry more water if someone helps him out, so El Sangre reluctantly tasks a fat gang member, known as Gordo, to help him out. Now, I actually haven't... Oh, I did cast him. Yeah. So Gordo is played by Michael Pena from Dora the Explorer fame. Pew-wee. <laughs> Excuse... No, what does he say? Excuse no. me. <laughs> that was doofy. Oh. The dad was Michael Pena. Right. <laughs> Why did you cast Doofy. <laughs> Because I don't know who that actor is. Okay. Oh, by the way, you and I are members of the gang. Oh, are we? So we're done up to look Mexican, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Which may not work Great. in 2020. But Great. Then, I'm sure everyone got, will be. These are the only. It. Actually, I tell you what, you can be mm. the marshal that was hammering up the noted. I thought sorry. that was John Goodman. No, no, he was the sheriff. Okay. You can be the marshal that was hammering up the notice, and I'll be one of the poker players because you know we that's cooler. We can't be Mexicans, basically. So as Gordo passes El Sangre, El Sangre whispers in his ear, "Push El Feel into the well." I'm sick of hearing him complain. The fat gang member gives him a knowing smile. He's like, "Yeah, 
I got your back, buddy. So as the two walk to the well, Tuco claims that one day he'll lead his own gang and will be able to sleep in for once. <laughs> you know, I will be able to sleep. I, uh, that's really hard to do. <laughs> Let's not go yeah, like, The fat gang member laughs at Tuco for being too stupid and too ugly to lead a gang of his own. And the two reach the well and start to fill up their flasks. But as Gordo is lifting up the well bucket, his head explodes, covering Tuco with blood. Tuco panics and makes a break for it, but a second bullet blasts the flask out of his hand, causing him to drop to his knees and raise his arms. Angel Eyes and Blondie approach Tuco on horseback with their rifles aimed at his head. The two bounty killers argue over whether they should force Tuco to tell them the location of the gang's camp and then shoot him, or just have him lead them there. Tuco starts blathering and eventually convinces Angel Eyes to keep him alive. It's like, oh, you need me alive. I'll lead you right there. I'll do whatever you say. And then since Angel Eyes agrees to keep him alive... Tuco thanks him profusely and he says, look, you have sweet, merciful eyes, like an angel. Ah. And that's where he gets his name from. Ah. Han Solo. (laughs) So Tuco leads the bounty killers back to the camp, but takes them the long way, hoping to find an opportune moment to slip away, rather than lead the duo back to El Sangre and be branded a traitor. So he's basically taking them in a huge semicircle through the wilderness. Right, okay. Back to the camp, rather than directly Why not? there. And it's miles away, so. As they travel, Angel Eyes and Blondie refuse to let Tuco on their horses, forcing him to walk beside them on foot. This leads Tuco to exclaim, I wouldn't do this to my worst enemy. A little bit of a Call reference back. there. Call forward, I suppose. Meanwhile, since Gordo never returned to the camp, El Sangre suspects that something is up. So he and the gang head off to the well, where they find Gordo's body. El Sangre immediately presumes that Tuco has betrayed the gang and swears revenge. So our trio finally arrive at El Sangre's camp. Of course, (laughs) both gangs are moving in like a huge circle, just avoiding each other accidentally. And Tuco is relieved to see that it's been abandoned. Angel Eyes and Blondie start to question Tuco's importance to the gang, since they appear to have abandoned him. But Tuco lies and says that he's the brains of El Sangre's gang, (laughs) and they're presumably off searching for him. So Angel Eyes tells Tuco that they'll wait here for El Sangre to come to them, but if he doesn't come seeking Tuco, then Tuco will be dead meat. That night, while they wait around the campfire, the trio get to know each other a little better. So Tuco asks the other two their names, but they don't trust him enough to tell him, so Tuco just refers to them as Blondie and Angel Eyes. Angel Eyes. We find out that Tuco left home and joined El Sangre's gang because his father is now too old to work, and since Tuco's only other brother left to become a clergyman, that left Tuco as the sole breadwinner. Makes sense? Well, yeah, we saw that in the other movie. Yeah. I actually had to re-watch the movie to make sure I got all the years right as well. Angel Eyes reveals that he started hunting down outlaws, hoping to eventually come across the man who killed his father 15 years ago. Angel Eyes? Yeah. Who's his father? Uh, He was just a random guy. Angel Eyes, you know, he was killed. His father was killed right in front of him as a child, traumatized him, basically ruined his whole life. So yeah, he's out for revenge. Yeah. Since we really don't know that much about it, Angel Eyes might as well throw some backstory in and just steal it directly from some other movie. (laughs) Yes! Blondie simply says that his story hasn't been told yet, and he remains a mystery. As it should be. Exactly. No origin story for the man with no name. Exactly. The next morning, Tuco wakes up and finds himself surrounded by El Sangre and his gang. Blondie and Angel Eyes are nowhere in sight. El Sangre approaches Tuco with a knife and promises that for killing Gordo, he's going to take him apart piece by piece. Tuco shouts that now he has two friends that will kill the whole gang if they lay a finger on him. And the gang all laugh. El Sangre says, Oh, so you finally started your own gang, El Fio. Pray tell, where are these so-called friends of yours now? Right on cue, I guess from behind cactuses or whatever, <laughs> Blondie and Angel Eyes step out on opposite sides of the campsite. And the gang are startled at first. They draw their guns, but they soon start laughing. Here we go. El Sangre looks at our three anti-heroes one by one and says, Some gang, 
You look like El Bueno, El Malo, and El Rato. Ah, so that's where we get the rat. Yeah. Blondie said, I'm so glad you picked up that reference. Blondie says, we've come to take you in, dead or alive. Again, the gang laughs, and El Sangre says, you really think you can take us all in alive? Faster than the eye can <laughs> Love see. Love your voice here. <laughs> oh no, it's a bit dodgy. It's like you're reading me a bedtime story. It's like one of those <laughs> like audio books yeah. where the guy narrating does all the voices. Yep. So faster than the eye can see, Angel Eyes and Blondie draw their pistols and shoot the entire gang, with the exception of El Sangre and, of course, Tuco. Angel Eyes says, no, we only need you alive. El Sangre frowns and raises his hands in surrender, says, fine, take me in. Is this a good Benicio Del Toro? Yeah, that's good. Sounds a little bit like Marlon Brando as the Godfather. (laughs) It does, it does. Go with me. But no prison can hold El Sangre. Angel Eyes approaches El Sangre and starts to tie his hands, and then the two lock eyes, as you can probably (sighs) imagine in typical Spaghetti Western fashion. We suddenly have a flashback to when Angel Eyes' father was murdered, and we see it was young El Sangre who killed him. Wait, this is just once upon a time in yeah, the West. basically. <laughs> you, or you rip off artists. For a few dollars more, basically, that happened as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Where I think it was his brother was killed yeah. by... I mean, this is a standard Western yeah. trope. That's why I had to include it. Of course. So El Sangre killed Angel Eyes' father while Angel Eyes, as a child, saw it happen from his hiding place. He's hiding, like, I don't know, yeah. under a wagon or something behind a barn door. We cut back to the present, and without saying anything, we know that the two men now recognize each other. Angel Eyes removes the rope from El Sangre's wrists and says to Blondie, give him your gun. Blondie hesitates, but does so. The two step back and prepare for the final showdown. Oh my god. The music do they smells. play? Do they play a music box? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> After an extended scene of the two staring at each other while the music swells to a crescendo, the two draw their guns and blam! El Sangre shoots the gun out of Angel Eye's hand. Angel Eye's looks horrified while El Sangre takes aim at his head. A second shot rings out, but it's El Sangre who falls to the ground. It was Tuco who got the final shot ah. with a gun that he picked up from one of the dead gang members. So Tuco shrugs and says, You can't take him alive if you're dead. Better him than you. Let's take them all in together. Make it a three-way split. The other two turn to look at Tuco, and Blondie says, You know, there is one gang member who's still alive. We cut to Tuco with a noose around his neck <laughs> yes. in the middle of the town square while he's being accused of all of the gang's crimes. While this is going on, Blondie and Angel Eyes collect the bounty money from the sheriff, and Angel Eyes mentions that from now on, he'll only do jobs where he gets paid in advance. Because when he, do- when he gets paid for a job, he always sees it through. Yep. Blondie hands Angel Eyes his cut of the money, and Angel Eyes says, hold on, this isn't half. And Blondie says, nope, it's one third. So, of course, you know what's going to happen here. Right as Tuco's about to be hung, Blondie steps in from above a barn door, shoots the rope, and the trio escape with Tuco. So, of course, once they've escaped the city limits, they all say their goodbyes and go their separate ways. Until later. Until the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ooh. There we go. That's my plot. Clap, clap, I clap, think clap, I got clap, through it a lot faster clap, clap, than clap. I thought it was going to be. You, you breezed through that. Yeah. Hopefully mine can be as quick. I actually had ideas for like a way more epic plot, but then I yeah. was just like, we can't talk about the good, the it's bad, and the ugly podcast. all day. Yes. I think we could talk at length about things that could happen in this movie, yeah. but I too tried to keep it brief. I'm uh, so excited to hear Do you your have plot. a title, by the way? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, what's your title? It's called Three Cents Short of a Dollar. That's a great title. Yeah, isn't it? That's a really good title. <laughs> I'm so glad you think so. I, I couldn't come up it with a title. It works so well. My title is just before the good, the bad, and the ugly. It kind of sucks. The all right, the okay, <laughs> and the mediocre. 
<laughs> the okay, the not so good, and uh, the and mean, the, the key to the machine. <laughs> the mean, the key to the machine. Um, so my movie is directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, so also, right after he's done my movie, he does he yours. comes and does my movie. But we can't trust Quentin with this movie by himself. We can't. No. We can't. He's, he's going to Jackie Brown it. He's so going to go too crazy adaptation. with it. He needs... Quentin Tarantino is a great director. What, you're going to bring in to be Christopher Nolan to all his reigns like you no. did with Jack Snyder and No, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. Yep. Wow. So it's going to be a joint adventure there. We're that similar already. Yeah, I know. And surprise, surprise, my soundtrack is done by Morricone too. Of course. <laughs> well, might as well. He's not doing anything else. Well, you know, he did The Hateful Eight in yeah. 2015, so he's still got it in him. And if you can't get him to do the soundtrack, you can't do the movie. That's my opinion. Absolutely. So we start off with uh, the man with no name and Tuco coming into a movie cinema. They sit down. <laughs> and this, this is going to be a framing device. I was going <laughs> to put this in my, in my plot. But I was like, oh, we've burnt out that joke already. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Our actual beginning starts off with a close-up of somebody's eyes. I thought you were going to say somebody's ass. <laughs> okay, yeah. But not for too long because they get shot in the head. Oh, wow. Yep. And then we get a loud, boisterous bad guy played by Michael Rooker. Now, Michael Rooker oh, wow. is the yeah. guy from Guardians of the Galaxy and the one also- one of the Mohawk. Yondu. One, Yondu. And also from The Walking Dead. And he plays- And he played that random guy who turned up in the jungle in- Fantasy Island. Yes, he did. He did. I completely... So he's come back to this show. Yeah, that's right. That's funny. Yeah, I just think he's a guy that you want to put in a Western. He has that accent and whatnot. So he threatens the town and says that he and his men now run it and anyone that has a problem with it... Can you do the voice? Will end up... No. Like, end up like that sheriff over there. I can't do it. (laughs) I was going to do it, but I can't do it. But this is interrupted as shots come from nowhere. His men... Uh, Kieran and Maddie D is also oh, no. part of that uh, collection. Get taken out one by one. Everyone's looking around, seeing where the shot's coming from. No one knows where they're coming. They're just dropping like flies. And then with cool badass music flaring, the <laughs> man with no name appears, cigar in mouth and poncho on. Now, I had a few casting ideas for the man with no name. Oh, yeah? I was surprised. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. I was surprised you didn't think of Hugh Jackman. Because Hugh Jackman looks exactly like Clint Eastwood. Really? Now, that was what I was going to go with. I always thought he that can't if, do the voice though. I always thought that if they were going to remake the Man with No Name, it had to be Hugh Jackman. But I think he's a little bit. No offense, Hugh. You're great, but a little bit too old to be the prequel. Yeah. He's older than Clint Eastwood was yeah. in the Man with No Name yeah. trilogy. Well, he was like 25. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm giving it to, and I can't pronounce his name, John uh, Goodman. <laughs> John Goodman is the Man with No Name. <laughs> so playing the Man with No Name is John Barenthal. Oh, okay. Uh, from yeah, from Punisher fame, from Walking Dead. I guess fame. he's wooden enough. I think he is like a really tough looking guy, yeah. and I think that the man with it no was name in that terrible TV show Mob City. Yeah, he need uh, the man with no name needs to be tough, needs to be mysterious, and needs to be a guy that could kill you and kick your ass. And I think this actor does it. Um, another idea I had was Henry Cavill. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so he'd, to, he'd be all right. Yeah, he'd be all right. The buff man with no name. <laughs> but that's who I'm going with. So that's who our man with no name is. So he stares down Rooker, and Rooker says to him, "I've heard of you. They say you're good." You're good (laughs) In the sack And he says I'm more than good The man with no name does I'm great I'm great There's a Mexican standoff And Blondie Quick draws and kills him The town is thankful And they give him some money Oh A few dollars A few dollars That's right And Blondie heads off on horseback But he gets jumped by a gang of bandits And a man in black Lassoes him to the ground and then we see from Blondie's view, the man in black approach him and like kick him in the face. So he knocks Ooh. him out. Wonder who the man in black is, Ooh. you were saying. It's in the your colonel. <laughs> it's the colonel. So Blondie wakes up facing William Fickner. 
No, I didn't have a name for William oh, really? Fickner's character. He was uh, he was originally going to be my angel eyes, but he's someone different. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm going right. to call him uh, John Marston. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow, original. Yes. But I'm just going to call him Fickner through this because that's what I have him as my notes. Uh, so he tells him that there's a large price on his head, Blondie that is, but they could use him. Actually, no, scratch that. There's no price on his head. I'm going to say that Blondie has been like a thorn in this gang's side. Right. But he instead of beating them to all their bounties. Yeah. But instead of killing him, they're like, well, you're, you're a really good shot. So we could actually use you. We're a traveling circus. We can shoot apples off our heads. Yeah, and they, and what they do also is they they sort of do bounty hunting as well. Yeah. So what they are is effectively a gang of mercenaries. Now Fickner asks for Blondie's name, and of course the man with no name is silent. Yeah. Or so, he can just say Manco. So Fickner says, "Well, why don't we call you? Uh, what do you look like? Oh, you've got brown hair. We'll call you brown hair." And one of the goons is like, "Boss, there's like five of us with brown hair." He's like, "Okay, well, there's no one with blonde hair, is there? Brown we'll call hair. him Blondie." <laughs> What a great nickname. Well, brown hair. Or brownie. Let's uh, call you brownie. And then the black member of the gang's like, excuse me. Jarman Honsu steps forward and is like, excuse me. He's not in the movie yet. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, because I never understood why the man with no name was called Blondie. He doesn't have blonde hair. No. So this could be played for last where they're just like, oh, you're blue haired man or, you know, <laughs> blue eyed man. Sorry. And uh, and so they just rest on Blondie because no one in the gang is, has blonde hair. Fair enough. It's funny. So they stop riding and they come to a group of tied up Native Americans mm. that are, that one of their gang members has been waiting for them. So you can see one of the henchmen, he's like, he's got his gun drawn at these Native Americans that are all bound and, and kneeling. Yep. And the reason why they were tied up is because this gang member got information about another gang that they're after. Now, Fickner is pretty, pretty happy with this. So he says, I'll let you dispose of him and points to the man in black that knocked the man with no name out. Who right. is our Angel Eyes. Okay, so it wasn't William Fickner. It wasn't William Fickner. Okay, yep. So out comes Angel Eyes and the Native Americans go, oh, no, no, not Angel Eyes. That's what yep. they call him. And he sets them on fire. Oh, no. Because he's a bad guy. What an arsehole. Now, who is playing Angel Eyes? You haven't actually said. Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That could work. Yeah. Like a Norwegian I... <laughs> Angel Eyes. Look, there's going to be a lot of, uh, let's just say, a lot of different casting here. Fair enough. But I thought he was somebody who could play a really good cold villain. And he has yeah. those like eyes as well. So I thought yeah. he was perfect. Other people I had considered was, you know, the villain in uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yep. Yep. The guy who played Silver in yes. Skyfall. Yes. I oh, considered what was his him. What's name? Javier. Oh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. So he's somebody yeah. I considered. But hey, I decided. He would be good as well. Maz Mikkelsen is who I'm going to put here. And but- he sets them on fire. So Fickner explains to Blondie that Angel Eyes got his name because he pretended to be a priest. And oh, went into that's a good. went into a tribe of Native Americans pretending to be like a missionary and ended up killing them to free up some land for some like you know big evil business. oil baron or something. yeah exactly yeah. so that's they all call him Angel Eyes it's like a Native American he's like a, ne- a legend like a villain like a demon in their yeah. in their sort of folklore so they get told that they they have to get a Mexican gang for a bounty and Angel Eyes a bounty a bounty okay. <laughs> A bounty bar, one of those chocolate bars. (laughs) I did think of that. Blondie is set to work with Angel Eyes, and Blondie is very reluctant to work together because their two styles clash. Yeah. And this is where we get to know a little bit about these characters. So they spend the afternoon strategizing about how they're going to infiltrate this uh, Mexican gang. They've got the location of them. They've got like this fort, this hideout. Of course, Angel Eyes just wants to kill them all, and Blondie's like, no, we should, you know, be smart about it. I'm so glad that we worked that into both of our plots. Like Angel Eyes (laughs) wanting to kill everybody, and Blondie's like, no, no, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that Blondie really has any sort yep. of like problem with killing people, but he just kills bad people. Yeah, so he doesn't yeah. kill innocent he's, people. He's the good. He doesn't smack 
around women. Exactly. So big gunfight. It's all impressive. We have a lot a of big fun. gun down. Yep. Big gun down. Yep. Big gunfight. That's a big Lee Van shootout. Cleef movie, by the way. And one of the last people standing is a is a lowly rat like <laughs> Mexican gang member, an ugly <laughs> named Tuco. Yes, of course. Now, who is playing Tuco? Now, you I had an issue with I Oscar Isaac. I didn't cast a Italian or a Mexican All for right. this character, so I might be in trouble for whitewashing. But the person I have cast, and I think they would be perfect, is Robert Nipper. Uh, who now, is that? Robert Nipper, if anybody is a big Prison Break fan, he that's his big role. He was uh, the bad guy in that TV show. Right. Uh, he plays a lot of bad guys, but he plays a lot of like scumbaggy, low-life, sleazy right. I'm going to have to see a picture or something, since I can't picture yeah, him. Yeah, maybe he doesn't look like it, but he's a really big method actor so i think that you know you dress him up he'll he'll yeah. be able to put some prosthetics on he'll, him he'll be able to look the part but i think he would like nail it i i swear to could god could he do the voice yeah i think so okay. i think so this guy is really good I, I, I certainly can't i think i think once upon a time god saw a lot of bad acting and he was like oh and he gave us robert nipper that's how good right. this guy is so i think he could do it and i think he'd be perfect he's like short in stature as well he's right. around that age group he'd be perfect other guy i thought of is brad duroff oh brad could, duroff brad duroff yeah from uh, Chucky yeah. fame. Yeah, trying to think what else Robert Nipper is to put some perspective. Again, Brad Dourif is too old. Yeah. Even though the guy who played Tuco, was Eli 50. Wallach, was in his 50s. He was yeah. like 51 when he did The Good, The Bad, and The yeah. Ugly. So that, it's fine. <laughs> so anyway, Tuco says in exchange for his life, he can take him to his old gang. Oh, who, uh, El so, Sangre's gang. So he, says, he explains that he's part of this gang. They've all got bounties on their head. And rather than getting rich off him, he could get rich off all these other high profile criminals. Right. Their gang is called the Ugly Eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Angelize doesn't want to work, doesn't want to do it. He just wants to kill Tuco, get his bounty. Blondie agrees to help Tuco and they escape. They evade Angelize and they're off by themselves. They, right. They run off yeah. and go to track down the Ugly Eight. Now, there's going to be a middle portion of this movie, which is just them tracking down all these people. So I'm just going to... In Spanish, they'd be called the Fio Ocho. That's awesome. So... El Fio Ocho. I didn't name these characters, but um, we're going to have one of the... And all the while, they're being pursued by Angel Eyes as well and William Fickner. But one of the Ugly Eight is going to be played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They're going to have a shootout right. in a church. By the way, I, I played a lot of Red Dead uh, this week, so this might be showing... Oh, just for inspiration, <laughs> right? In, in my plot. Uh, there's going to be the Diamond Honsu Twins. Uh, the Diamond Honsu Twins, sorry. So they're going to have like two different oh, wow. personalities because we've got he's to cast making up for not being in my plot. <laughs> exactly. And he's, he's in your plot twice. He's going to be holding up a train and they're going to attack him there. Uh, we're going to have Keanu Reeves that's going to be a shootout in an old manner. No, he's just manor. A, a, a tumbleweed called Sage. <laughs> no, there's, like in uh, Red Dead where they have that big shootout in the um, in that cotton field. You know that mansion that they go oh, in? Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, that was so cool. The so Braithwaite Mansion. I'm uh, ripping that off. And Danny Trejo will be shot in like a Mexican sort of fort area. All right. That'd be cool. He's obligated to be in this movie. Yeah, we need to have a, a female in there. So because you don't believe... Not according <laughs> to my plot. <laughs> just because you believe Halle Berry can't do a good action movie and she did one in John oh, Wick. Right, We're right. putting her in this great action movie and it's going to be a bank shootout and the uh, last member of the Ugly Eight other than Tuco is an so old... So Halle Berry is part of the Ugly Eight? Yes. Okay. But they're ugly for their deeds. Oh, I see. I'm with you now. The uh, the last person in is an old gunslinger played by Clint Eastwood. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, they don't kill. Uh, and he was originally going to be the sheriff in my movie, but I <laughs> thought, no, nah, I'm going to fit John Goodman in because he's coming knocking. It's like, I heard you're doing a movie. Yeah. 
So the Clint Eastwood character will, will not die. He'll play more of a mentor to the man with no name. Great. He'll like teach him stuff. It'll be great. It'll be great. The three of them will be together until Angel Eyes comes into a counter with them and kills him. Because oh, no. we need to hate Angel Eyes. So this is where we get to the climax of the movie. So Tuco says, oh, before we head out, there's one more guy that we can get. Yep. So they like they take him to like this old town, uh, but it's a setup. Angel Eyes is waiting for them with William Fickner. That rat. That rat, exactly. And Tuco reveals that it was a double cross. Angel Eyes tells Fickner that he's going to run the gang and actually kills him right in front of Blondie and Tuco. He kills who? William Fickner. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And says he's going to take Tuco, but he's actually going to take Tuco to a nearby town and hang him. And Tuco's like, what? I thought we had a deal. Nope. There's no loyalty with Angel Eyes. Can you do a Lee Van Cleef impression? <laughs> no. Okay. It's pretty easy. Oh, yeah? You do it then. I, I did it like a hundred times during my plot. <laughs> Just listen back to that. We're going to have a scene where Blondie takes out the rest of now Angel Eyes' gang. Yep. It's big town shootout. And then the draws from the hip. Angel Eyes and Blondie have an old-fashioned stare down, and they decide to have a Mexican standoff. Oh, no. Big tense. Jeez, I'm so on the edge of my seat. Drawn out. Who is going to die from these characters who both exist in the next movie? Blondie quick draws. He's the fastest uh, fastest draw. He's the fastest gun in the West. He shoots Angel Eyes' gun out of his hand. He has a bad habit of this happening to him in our And plots. in doing so, shoots off Angel Eyes' fingers. Oh, very nice. Because his fingers are missing in the good, the bad, and That's the right. ugly. That's because Lee Van Cleef's fingers were missing in I real life. I know, I know. I just wanted to add that there. That's a cool attention to do detail yeah um and he's left writhing in pain so maybe that happens in my plot as well oh yeah well okay all right the gun was shot out that's what i thought you were doing i was like oh my god is he doing the same thing as me yeah or maybe because i was like oh why would angel eyes have an injured hand but he does yeah so yeah i should have considered that as well i thought you were going to and when you didn't i was like yes he didn't do it well done so uh tuko asked blondie what's next and Blondie says he has some plans. And then we have a flash to Tuco with a rope around his neck being sentenced <laughs> to hang, be hung. Uh, the crimes are being read out just as they were in the yep. next movie. Blondie is dressed as Angel Eyes. So this is the town that they're expecting Tuco to be. <laughs> He's got a fake mustache on. <laughs> well, they were expecting Angel Eyes to come through to town. Right, with Tuco. I see. With so his bounty, yeah. You know, so rather than just being random, it was like, oh, Blondie's like, well, they're expecting us with money there. So let's go to that town and I'll just wear uh, <laughs> Angel Eyes' clothes. So they think so I'm So this Angel is Eyes. Hugh Jackman. Wait, who played um, Blondie in your plot? John uh, Berthol or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, John Berenthal. Yeah, John Berenthal. So it's John Berenthal as Clint Eastwood mm. as Angel Eyes. Yep. Yep. He's pretending to be Angel Eyes. Or at least just dressing as him, because the town's just going to assume it's Angel Eyes. They just know this guy in black is going to come. You could just say that he's Angel Eyes. They wouldn't know any better. Yeah, but I want the... He looks more like a blondie than an Angel Eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I want the audience to put the two together. Okay. So, Tuco's being sentenced to hang, and then just as he's about to, Blondie shoots the rope, and Tuco rides off to freedom. Blondie and... like in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, they're hanging him while he's on horseback. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. Um, he might just jump on a horse and ride off. Blondie and Tuco meet somewhere in the rough wild west. In the wilderness. Sharing the money that they made off the bounty. While Blondie says, you may actually be worth a little bit more than I first thought. Almost $3,000. And then he says, you know, my friend, there are two kinds of men in this world. Those who are good with the shooting and those who are ugly with the fall. Interesting. Wow, wow. Music, credits. Where's my Oscar? Yes. So that's my plot. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Interesting. I'm so glad you could work Dwayne The Rock Johnson in there. Of course. Because he apparently is, I, I guess, like uh, Jaimon Honsu. He's just obligated to be in every second movie these days. i got to give him work. You know, he, he needs work. 
We're going to be talking about a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie in a couple of weeks. Are we now? I'm sure you're Fantastic. excited. Oh, I always am. And I'm sure it won't be the last either. Now, who did you reckon had the better plot? Dear audience members, you can always send us an email and let us know or leave us a comment on our Facebook page. Were they both good? Do you have your own ideas for a better Good, the Bad and the Ugly prequel? Who would you cast? That's yes, what I want to know. Yes, who would you cast? I know we both struggled to come up with casting. Well, I know I did. You had too many ideas. For I, the, so I could cast so many You people. couldn't settle on one. <laughs> so yeah, just let us know at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment on this episode's page on the Podbean site or find us at Potential Spoilers Podcast on Facebook. That's right. We're also on Twitter at Potential Spoils and Instagram on Potential Spoilers Podcast. Now, before we go, we should announce what we're going to be talking about next week. Yep. And of course, we're doing another installment of actual spoilers where we go back and review predictions of movies that we've done in the past and see how close we got to the actual film. And we're finally there. We're finally back to reviewing our predictions of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh my God, yes. So we're going to have a grisly situation next week. (laughs) We've been looking forward to this one for so long. And join us for that and we'll find out who between the two of us was closer to the actual plot. Yes. I know none of us predicted that there was going to be a bear suit involved. We'll talk all about that next week. Yes, we will. So please join us for that. And until then, have a great week. Yeah. See you then. You too. You too. Glad they got him. A man guilty of all those crimes. People with ropes around their necks don't always hang. What do you mean? Even a filthy beggar like that has got a protecting angel. That's a pretty sorry looking wagon you got there, mister. I reckon it could use a coat of paint. Well, what are we waiting for? Gonna paint our wagon, gonna paint it good. We ain't bragging, we're gonna coat that wood. We're gonna paint that wagon, we're gonna paint it good.